We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. Kyle Fellows alongside Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. And we are pumped to be back with you for another Friday edition of the podcast. How's it going, you guys? Did you just say your name? Not I am Kyle Fellows. You're I just did, like Kyle I just, Fellows. I just started with my name. Yes. <laughs> there used to be a Saturday Night Live skit where you would say Brian Fellow. That is true. So, I've I have actually heard that before. Believe it or not. That uh, anytime there's a deviation from the normal introduction, I notice. But hey, you know why I notice? Because we've done a lot of episodes. That's true. And this is episode nine hundred and ninety-six. And so the next time that we are on the show, we'll have gone over 1,000 episodes, which is just absolutely wild to think about. Um, we've been doing this for a while now, um, but it doesn't seem like that long. And we do this show because it's fun. It's our passion. But one thing listeners can do to really help us out, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Many of you may listen on like Cheesehead TV, for instance, which is absolutely awesome. But you could also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, any other Google or any other podcasting platform, and then be able to take us with you in the car, at work, wherever you go. So as someone who is always annoyed if my podcasts don't download automatically so I can start them as soon as I'm in the car, the easiest solution is just to subscribe. 
but in addition, this really helps us maintain our sound quality, get better guests, the whole gamut. So we'll just sit around here and wait for you to subscribe. We'll give everybody a moment to do that, right? Live. Just just pause. Hold our breath. Anyways. Right right now. (laughs) But yeah, now we're back. So how are you doing, Maggie? I'm good. These draft shows are some of my favorites each season, and I I honestly can't believe that we're two weeks away from finding out that the Packers traded back into the second round and they don't have a night one pick. And, you know, we'll have to talk about that anyway, but it's the draft and it's almost here. Absolutely. And Maggie is right. We are now less than two weeks away from all of that chaos that will come with the NFL draft kicking off in Cleveland, Ohio this year, and finally getting a chance to learn who the Packers 2021 draft class is going to be. But I think most of us assume that that class is going to include at least one, if not multiple, cornerbacks. And so it is our great honor today to preview the cornerbacks in this draft class. Brian Gutekunst recently spoke to what he believes is a really deep class at cornerback in this draft. And so uh, does that mean that they're going to take one early because they love the guys at the top? Maybe. Um, Or it could also mean that they're going to wait a little bit and get into day two before they uh, take someone there because they like the depth. We really have... No idea how this is going to go, but we are excited to get into this discussion because there are so many good players in this class at corner. Uh, But before we get all the way into this conversation, it's a little bit important to take a minute and acknowledge that the Packers cornerback room is virtually unchanged from what it was at the end of 2020. Green Bay uh, has a guy named Jair Alexander. You may have heard of him. He's he's a pretty good player. Uh, But Kevin King, I think kind of unexpectedly, was brought back on a one-year deal. And then Shannon Sullivan is also back. And so if the season started today, your 2021 starters at cornerback would be set to be exactly the same as they were in 2020. The depth is also pretty much the same. And maybe the Packers do get an unexpected jump from someone like Josh Jackson or Stanford Samuels or even KB on Ento. You, you never know. They could get a jump from those guys. But the good news with this group is there is a lot of continuity in the secondary headed into the season. The bad news It's pretty much universally thought that the Packers would really prefer to upgrade Kevin King's spot as well as their slot defender. So uh, we're lucky that one of the Packers' greatest needs also matches up perfectly with one of this draft's richest positions in cornerback. And so as we jump into this draft class, I think there are a couple guys um, who are considered to be the cream of the crop, the top of the class at the cornerback position. Uh, Patrick Sertain II and J.C. Horn are pretty much expected to go in the top 12 to 15 picks in just about whatever mock draft you look at right now. So as we get into this, Maggie, what makes those two guys so special? Yeah, so I don't even know where to start with Patrick Sertain II. He was a unanimous 2020 consensus All-American 2020 SEC Defensive Player of the Year comes, of course, from NFL lineage with his dad playing for Miami and Kansas City. Dad was an all pro and a pro bowler. But, you know, Patrick has all of the tools to match his dad's accolades. He's 6'2", really rangy, physical, um, has the ideal body type to be a starting boundary corner. But he's also got elite speed to get in and break up those quick passes. He posted a 9.96 RAS score with elite size and explosion, ran a 4.42, had 24 passes defense at Alabama. Um, he also returned an interception for a touchdown in 2020. And, you know, you can go on and on about how talented he is. There's just so much to like in his game. And it's a shame that the Packers would have absolutely no shot at getting anywhere near him. 
unless they sell the farm and trade all the way up. Then, of course, you have J.C. Horn, who also has NFL lineage. His father, Joe Horn, is a four-time pro bowler and a member of the Saints Hall of Fame. He's another versatile prospect since he played in the slot his first season and then slid to boundary corner. 6-1, has a more great size to play that position. Just a ridiculous RAS score again with a 9.99. Elite size, elite explosion, runs a flat 4-4. And he loves to get after receivers, but I think some of that aggression translates a little bit to missing some tackles, which is something that he'd need to clean up at the next level, especially given how important tackling is to the Joe Barry defense. Yeah, Horn was certainly an early draft crush of Packers Twitter, I think, before he absolutely blew up his pro day. Pro day. And I think most fans have just kind of assumed that he's kind of a pipe dream now if you're picking in the 20s. And for the Packers, late in those 20s. But Caleb Farley was someone that many expected to possibly be the first corner off the board until we heard about some reoccurring medical issues that he has with his back and a surgery that has now kind of muddied those waters. Uh, but Andrew, I know you're pretty high on Farley as is much of the draft community. And Packers Twitter has started to salivate at this slim possibility of Farley falling into Green Bay's range. And so I wanted to ask you, why do you think as someone who's watched him closely, why should we be excited about someone like Farley? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but just going back to what Maggie was talking about, I mean, J.C. Horn, this is a guy people want to, you know, they, they talk about he's super aggressive. He's he's that alpha mentality. He wasn't an alpha when he opted not to run the three cone. <laughs> we we have, to have a 9.99 when you don't run the thing you're most scared of, J.C. We had so seamlessly moved on to Caleb Farley. Oh, no. And you were like, no, I have to go back and just... I saw my opportunity to attack. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's good. But anyways, yes. Caleb Farley, Caleb the guy Farley. I really do love, um, I I have him as cornerback one still, um, d- despite the back injury concerns. He's actually my fifth overall player, so that should say something about how much I really liked Caleb Farley. And I mentioned this before, but he was a quarterback in high school. Uh, you see that intelligence and that field vision, um, even at the cornerback position. He was a wide receiver when he started at Virginia Tech. To me, he's just a size-speed freak. I think if he could have tested... Uh, without the injury, he would have put up really impressive numbers, just like Horn and um, you know Patrick Sertain did. I, I think all three of these guys are just super elite athletes, and and that's why this is such a fun class. You can you can see the wide receiver ball skills. He's really aggressive at the catch point. Uh, super good man. Better in off uh, than press. You didn't see them see that a lot but there were a lot of times when Virginia Tech just asked him to like go take their number one receiver away and we'll we'll play the rest of the defense with the other 10 guys like we're just going to ignore your side of the field uh he never had safety help and and he really just I I was so impressed by what I saw with Farley on on tape some things he needs to improve certainly his zone coverage ability I don't think he's always instinctual just because he didn't play it a ton uh, he's also not the surest tackler at all times but given the newness to the position it is pretty incredible to see how far along he is to me he's a projected lockdown corner um, I, I think within two years he's he's going to be a top-notch player so putting him opposite of Jair is something that I'm kind of obsessed with, um, especially with the idea that he could slide. He measured in at 6'1", 207, so certainly has the size to be that long zone corner. Um, and, and 
you know, again, that's a projection because he hasn't played a lot of his own coverage and he needs to get more comfortable there. But if you just want your corners to match up one-on-one against the opposing wide receiver one and two, let's say we're playing the Vikings and you just want to put Jair and Caleb Farley out there and shut down Thielen and Jefferson, I think they can do it. And I know that doesn't necessarily fit in with what we're expecting Joe Barry's defensive scheme to be. But if you can't utilize two shutdown corners, you're probably coaching defense the wrong way. I agree. I think anytime you have a chance to put elite players on the field, you don't really worry about the scheme. You take the best players that you can. So uh, Sertain, Horn, Farley are probably considered the elite prospects, I think, by most. And it is worth noting that Brian Gutekunst attended all three of their pro days at Alabama, Virginia Tech, and South Carolina. So he's certainly doing his homework on this entire class of corners, even the guys at the very top, because you never know who can slip, who you could trade up for. Uh, but I think the next cluster of cornerbacks might be the sweet spot for the Green Bay Packers. It seems like Greg Newsom from Northwestern, George's Eric Stokes, and Ifatu Melifonwu from Syracuse, Syracuse and Florida State's Asante Samuel Jr. are all expected to go somewhere between picks 20 and 50. So late first round, early second round, and uh, maybe Green Bay comes up for a guy that they really like. Maybe they trade out and take one of these guys in the top of the second. But of these four, I'm I'm curious who you guys are standing on the table for. If you have a chance to be in the Packers war room and you get to take one of these guys that's in that range, who who you stand on the table for? Yeah, for me, it's Greg Newsom. Um, and I, I I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about Newsom because there there are some concerns there, specifically injury concerns that I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to get over. Uh, certainly, I got over him with Caleb Farley, so <laughs> I was able to do the same thing with with Greg Newsom. I actually have him rated as cornerback three and my fifteenth overall player. So I really really like Newsom. He he's long, he's athletic. Um, Man, it's fun how many long athletic corners are in this draft ever so many years when we just didn't see that. Um, so getting over that injury history is going to be a big deal. But even though he's long, he's still really fluid. I like the smoothness in the way he flips his hips and he maintains good quickness and speed throughout. And you'll notice when I'm talking about the cornerbacks I'm really passionate about, it's all about that hip fluidity. And the guys that I have more of an issue with, a la... J.C. Horn and Eric Stokes. It's not that I don't like those players. I really do. I think they're both going to be really good pros. But you you need to be more scheme specific when you have a guy who has difficulty turning um, and, and being fluid there. But um, I like him in both press and off man. I like him dropping into zone. And he's very good at processing route combinations and using his length and quickness to go get the ball. This is a kudos to Northwestern, which I don't say very often, but because of the complexity of their defensive scheme, Newsom has really put in a lot of challenging situations, and I like that. Um, he, he made a ton of pass breakups. He didn't have the interception production that you'd like, so you know it, it does cause some questions about his hands, but with how tight he is in coverage, some of that should come in the NFL. He was more than willing to mix it up in the run game. Love that. Uh, seems like a good tackler because of his length, um, but he did, again... You know, not to to beat on this, but it, he missed time in all three seasons at Northwestern. I don't think, though, you can really go wrong with any of the players mentioned, <laughs> except Eric Stokes. 
I'm just kidding. Well, so, uh, but but I have Newsom rated really high. Anyways, I want to I want to ask you a question, um, Kyle, because for people who listened to the show on Monday, where uh, Peter Bukowski was was the guest of Andy, he had mentioned I, I believe the way he pronounced it was Ifatu, um, and I think you said Ifatu, which is different than Afitu, which is what I've been saying incorrectly, <laughs> obviously. So, can you help us in this debate between Ifatu? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do an Ifatu. Okay, so I was I went to a whole other level of draft nerd this week. I, I've been saying Afitu the whole time because his nickname is Ify. So I just assumed it was Afitu. Learned that that was wrong on the on the podcast with with Peter the other day, but then I was like, I just don't. I want to make sure. So I actually messaged Mr. Melifonwu himself on Twitter, <laughs> and surprisingly, because I don't know why, he actually responded and did tell me how he appropriately re- pronounces his first name. So he sent me E dash fought like if you're in a fight, and the number two. So E fought two is the best I can take. From what he sent me so take it from the source i trust the source pretty well uh from <laughs> he fought to himself and so i'm going to stick with that that is some next level research I, I thought it was pretty solid credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah. No, I... Andrew, you and Perry, you're really not meant to be arch nemeses because Perry uh, is obsessed with Greg Newsom. That's her favorite prospect probably in this draft class. So, well, no you know, one tell her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she listens to the stuff I do, so 
She doesn't listen for you, Andrew, but she will probably listen to this. Too. <laughs> it is, but it I is. mean, I'll bang the table, I guess, for Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, he was my first love in the draft class when I really started diving into the corners and, you know, just like Sertain and Horn. He also comes from NFL lineage with his dad, Asante Samuel, the four-time pro bowler and all pro. I know that his size at 5'10 is a concern to some. I understand that, especially with Jair also at 5'10. You don't necessarily want both of your boundary corners under six feet, but I think Asante plays a lot bigger than his size. And one of the things I like when you watch him is that he's a really sure tackler. And I think that he could absolutely play outside at the next level, even though I also think he'd be an excellent slot corner long-term in Green Bay if they didn't want to use him on the outside. But 29 pass breakups at Florida State led the ACC in 2019 with 14 in one season. Uh, So we also know that the Packers have met with him twice at this point. And he's absolutely somebody that's on their radar, despite not necessarily posting that elite RAS that they normally look for, given his smaller size like some of the other corners in this draft class. All right, so I'm currently wearing a Florida State sweatshirt, so I am fully on board (laughs) and just bringing all the good mojo to the Asante Samuel Jr. pick that's going to happen at number 29 overall. I get really excited about what he could be for the Packers in the years to come as a boundary corner, but also someone like Maggie mentioned, someone who could play in the slot, but who could maybe start there and then work outside if that is the direction the team decides to go. But a big fan of Asante Samuel Jr., uh, but this certainly is a really talented group, and it's it's pretty hard to see the Packers passing on taking one of these guys at some point, considering the needs on the roster. It seems like a perfect match of team need and value in the draft, but we've heard Goot's comments about the depth in this corner class, and so maybe they do wait a little bit into the end of the second round or even the third round to draft a corner. That's kind of hard to think, but it could happen. Um or maybe they double dip like they did in 2018 or 2015 and take two corners really early. Uh, but if the Packers do wait to take a corner, I have a hunch that there is a player that all three of us would be pretty excited to target on day two. And that would be Mr. Paulson Adebo. So uh, which one of you guys wants to get this conversation started? Because I think we're going to be pretty ooh, ooh, happy me, to stay me, here. Me, <laughs> me, me. You go, go. You. So I wrote a very short poem. Paulson, Paulson, the kid can ball, son. Boo. I'm sorry. Kid. Can we can edit that? After no. Okay. No, as the person who edits the podcast, no. Okay. It right, was good. I don't Paulson, care what you Paulson. say. The kid can ball, son. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, special. Paulson, uh, people, <laughs> people, I keep hearing people really like this guy, right? Like all of a sudden, out of nowhere. I, 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 Whatever. I mean, that's fine. I'm glad to have everybody aboard the hype train. I just want to say nobody's going to be as crazy high as I am because I have him as cornerback four. He's my overall prospect number 16. I like him that much. Yeah. That's big. He, he, that's big. Bigly. Uh, he has really good length and physical tools, super oily hips. I already talked about this, right? Like, I love these guys who can flip and, and run with guys. He's sticky in man. He can play press, but you really, really start to see his physical gifts and off. Uh, super intelligent in zone. I rarely saw him in the wrong position. He passes off players well, breaks on the ball. Um, I think he has a really aggressive attitude with, with you know, high-pointing the, the ball. Um yeah, there's the Gabriel Davis thing. I don't care. <laughs> it was one bad game. Let's get over it. 
But here, here's the things that, that start to really intrigue me. He had a 6.693 cone. Like, holy man, you talk about those oily hips. Uh, 4, 4, 5, 40, which I did not see coming. I, I thought he was going to run the 4.5s for sure. And all of that at 6.1198. I do not care what happened in 2019. I said before, I think it had something to do with him being hurt. But no matter what, this guy's an elite prospect. And he's probably going to get pushed into round two, if not round three, like Kyle talked about. And I think he's just, he's going to be the best value in this draft. Yeah. Sign me all the way up too. I I think all three of us uh, need to buy his jersey if he finds his way to Green Bay. (laughs) But (laughs) we know that obviously he played wide receiver in high school, which you can tell he has really, really sound hands. 27 passes defensed in college, led the Pac-12 in interceptions in 2019. And I just think he's going to continue climbing these next couple weeks. And, you know, kind of like Andrew said, I think he's going to go higher right now than he's currently projected to go. I remember early, early on, probably February, messaging Andrew and just being like, hey, I think I'm going to be pretty high on Paulson Adebo. Like, I really like this guy. And I'm thinking, like, modest, you know, like, I I mean, I love the guy, but like, you know, where he was currently being talked about. And then Andrew comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, I think he's going to be like my CB3. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're crazy. So (laughs) we've done well to establish this as a healthy Paulson Adebo hive and uh, well, I think there's a healthy amount of love for Adiba out there. I do think it's pretty unusual that all three of us have his. Ha, he's one of our favorite guys in this whole class, and uh, with a 9.5 RAS and being he's only 21 years old, I do think Brian Gudikins may have a crush as well. If those factors aren't enough, he sees that 6.693 cone and just runs all the way to the podium in the second or third round for this guy. But we'll see if it happens. Um, But I want to ask you guys, who are the other guys that we think could be solid additions on day two? Because like it or not, Paulson Adebo isn't the only guy that they could take. (laughs) I mean, I don't know about day two. Might end up being really early day three, but Trill Williams... Appreciate you both leaving me, Trill Williams, to talk about. Um, To me, he's such a unique prospect because he can play anywhere, right? In college, he played boundary corner, he played in the slot, played safety, and he's really young still. He just turned 21. Um, But I think one of the things I like about him so much is that he's super aggressive, and he just absolutely puts his body on the line when he tackles 6'2", 200 pounds. So he's got really nice size to play anywhere in the secondary. And honestly, he tests better as a safety than a CB. And I know, you know, Pack-A-Day contributor Brennan Rupp has him as a safety, you know, at the NFL level. So wherever the Packers would want to use him, he's always around the football and he has a nose for those big plays. First, as a freshman, he returned a punt for a touchdown. Then as a sophomore, he forced three fumbles and returned one of those for a touchdown. And then he had four interceptions and returned one of those for 90 yards in his junior year. So just a super fun player who can line up anywhere for Joe Barry. Yeah, and then um, I'm going to talk about Israel Mukwamu, uh, who is a super long physical corner who probably is going to have the most success in zone. 6'4", 212. Uh, he's a super impressive athlete, but he does struggle to flip his hips. As a result, he'll have to win at the line of scrimmage to have success in man. And I really like never asked this guy to play off. Uh, he's a zone hawk, really great ball skills. He had seven interceptions in college. 
just a huge wingspan combined with nice hands to make plays. He is aggressive against the run, one of the better run defending corners I've seen in quite a while. He plays a little out of the slot and a bit at safety too, so there is some positional flexibility. Um, some teams might want him to play safety, but I'd give him a chance at outside corner first. You know, I think of somebody like Brandon Browner, minus the felony charges, uh, the former Seahawk, who is just like a... I mean, he, he was a matchup nightmare because he was so big. And so, you know, especially looking at playing opposite of Jair, if, if you're just going to ask him to cover um, that portion of the field, he's so long. Quarterbacks are going to have a hard time passing around him. Um, you take a guy that big, you just don't ask him to flip his hips. You, you play him with his butt shaded to the sidelines and his eyes on the quarterback, and, and I think you could have success. So depending on how scheme-specific the Packers want to get, that's an option. I could see McGuamu ending up in Seattle with one of the like three draft picks they have and, and <laughs> being really successful. Um, but another guy I want to talk about is Elijah Molden. Here's a guy who had tons of buzz around him early in the process. He's an undersized primary slot corner. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be the best pure slot in this draft. He's small, and he doesn't have elite athletic traits. He does seem really quick, but I wouldn't describe him as fast. He he showed the technique to succeed, to bump in, in off-man coverages. He is really fun in zone, though. He always seems to know where everyone is, and, and that's where he can really use his instincts and ball skills. He seemed to be baiting quarterbacks into a lot of throws in college and then jumping in the throwing lane, um, but not great against the run because of his size. He, he is a willing tackler, but, you know, there's there's some limitations physically there. The, the big issue with Molden came, you know, you, you look and he has a 4.64 unofficial RAS score. Part of the problem, he's 5'9", 192. And then he ran an unofficial 4.59, which is not real good for a player his size. Uh, he didn't compete in the shuttle or three coin, which I, I think would have been his best testing numbers and maybe dragged that up a little bit. But um, seems seems like a guy that you really love on tape and you're going to question his ability and that's going to push him down the draft board. So maybe he's not option in day three. Yeah. So the reality is the Packers are going to have plenty of options still on the board if they do wait a little bit into rounds two and three, so we don't need to panic if we don't get the call for the corner at number 29 in the first round. But even looking past that, Green Bay currently has seven picks. Now, a normal draft has seven picks, seven rounds, right? So they have seven picks just on the third day of the draft. And I don't know if we can really call these guys sleepers or not, depending on who you guys talk about, but who are some prospects that you like a little bit later on in the draft that maybe Green Bay could take a swing on in those later rounds? Yeah, I'm not sure if Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas really qualifies as a sleeper anymore because he's kind of creeping up draft boards a little bit. But and I know that Brian Gutekunst isn't necessarily married to high RAS scores, but when a guy posts a 9.65, you know Gut's going to take kind of an extended look there. He's just a hair under six foot, freaky athletic, 4.41 speed, ran a 40 or had a 43 inch vertical. The thing I notice when I watch him is just a little bit handsy and he's almost too physical at times, which, you know, could be detrimental as far as penalties are concerned. But if he cleans some of that up, he's excellent in man and he absolutely could claim a boundary spot opposite Jair for quite a while. Uh, the other guy that I like on day three, if he waits that long, is Benjamin St. Just. Uh, he's super interesting to me because he's 6'3", a la Kevin King. And if the Packers are going to have Jair Mann one of their boundaries, 
probably doesn't hurt to have a big body playing opposite him. Uh, he was the number one ranked player in Canada in high school before attending Michigan his freshman year and then transferring to Minnesota to finish out his collegiate career. And he didn't have any interceptions in college, uh, but he did have a strong sophomore season with 10 passes defensed. And I think one of the things that's interesting, too, is the way that Minnesota kind of deployed him almost as a nickel corner rather than on the boundary during his junior year, which, you know, could have impacted his draft stock a little bit. He was invited to the senior bowl, kind of put him back on the map there and even led the national team in pass breakups at the senior bowl. So he could be a fun developmental guy for a year if he doesn't push for playing time right out of the gate. Yeah, definitely really like those two. Um, so to go in a different route, uh, one is going to be Marco Wilson from Florida. He had a 9.99 RAS score. It's it's wild. We had two 9.99s out of this cornerback class, uh, which just tells you the kind of elite athletes that are running around in uh, the 2021 class. But he should be available on late day three, unlike J.C. Horn, uh, the other 999 guy. Uh, Wilson just super toolsy. He has all the size, speed, strength metrics you would look for, but it just hasn't shown up consistently on tape. These are my notes about him. He doesn't stay sticky in man. He doesn't compete well at the catch point. He's had mental lapses in zone. He isn't super competitive in the run game. So no, Kyle is like, Andrew, that evaluation is terrible. Why should I be excited about Wilson? Well, simply, he's one of the best athletic profiles for a corner you could possibly have. You're going to be able to get him on day three. He's a developmental guy who could pay off huge down the line. Like for me, you you take swings at these kind of guys when you get into rounds five, six, and seven. And honestly, give me this brand of player and and hope he turns into Sam Shields rather than taking a, a guy who maybe was really productive in college but has no athletic upside. Um, the other corner that I want to talk about is Antonio Phillips from Ball State. And I don't think there's much buzz around him at all, but he is a fun, small school player. He has good length, good movement skills, oily hips. There's that term again, probably use it way too much in my scouting, but he, he <laughs> primarily played zone coverage and his experience there will be appealing to primarily primary zone teams, right? And so we, we anticipate maybe the Packers could be one of those. He has the physical tools to be good man, especially press. There just wasn't anything that I could really digest on tape. He's really aggressive and his ball skills will result in takeaways. He's not just a tackler, but he actually likes to hit. Uh, he didn't have any testing numbers from his pro day. So big question mark there. But I have Phillips as a fourth rounder on my board. It's more likely that he goes later than that. And he could end up being a really, really good value in this class. Those are some great names to keep an eye on for sure. And we know that Brian Gutekinds was in attendance at the Minnesota Pro Day. So he's seen St. Juice up close. Marco Wilson uh, was built in a lab and his untapped potential will certainly have the Packers drooling in those late rounds. Um, and Rochelle could be the next small school guy to make the leap to the NFL. And with seven picks on day three, I think it's significant to note all of the capital that the Packers have. It's hard for me to see the Packers not taking a swing on one of these developmental guys, even if they do collect a couple corners in those first couple rounds, uh, just to see what they might hit on with one of these late round guys. And I wanted to mention the Oregon corners, uh, Diamador Lenore and Thomas Graham Jr. Um, neither of these guys are high RAS guys, but Green Bay has met virtually with Graham. Uh, we know Brian Gutekunst was at the Oregon Pro Day, and some people assume that that interest was probably in Javon Holland. Uh, but these are two corners to keep an eye on there on day three, two guys who could be developmental players with a lot of appeal in the slot. And then I just wanted to make a quick note on Sean Wade. Um, 
To me, Ohio State's Sean Wade is is really worth monitoring here. We know Wade was highly touted entering the 2020 season, and things did not go well for him playing on the perimeter, but he was much, much better player in the slot. He's an excellent, excellent athlete. He worked out at OSU's second pro day, which got all kinds of attention because of Justin Fields. But Wade ran a 4-4-40. He jumped 37 inches, and he had a respectable broad jump as well. So if Wade falls to day three, somewhere late in the draft, I could totally see Gudikins pulling the trigger on a player with all this talent who... Didn't really pan out this year, wasn't what people thought he could become, but could end up becoming a really good nickel or third safety who just needs a lot of time uh, to play with more confidence and find his game again after having a really frustrating uh, season where he kind of played out of position this past year. So uh, just a couple names to put a to put a bookmark on and see what may come of that. But uh, we've had a lot of fun working through what is the majority of the names that we think that the Packers uh, could work their way towards on draft day. Um, we're getting really close. We're two weeks away and we're going to find out who is going to be maybe the heir to Kevin King on the outside and some help <laughs> in the slot as well. But um, Andrew, I know you're still working on some stuff over at game on Wisconsin. Uh, you want to drop anything to the listeners today? Let them know what you're working on. Yeah, so this week's article was all about going through my players, number 21 through 40, um, on my top 250 list and sort of justifying why they're there and, and who might be an option for the Packers. I'm going to continue to do that over the next two weeks, so I'm going to try to get through as much of that that top 250 as, as people will tolerate, uh, <laughs> you know, so probably I won't get down into the uh, 200s, but um you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write that out, and I that's just a fun activity for me to go through and sort of process how people ended up where they did on that list. So um, I'm really excited about that, and I know Maggie, you got a you got some exciting stuff coming up too. Yeah, so Pax, what she said, has a special guest next week. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for that when we can actually say who it is. Uh, but you can also find some of my written work over at Cheesehead TV. Make sure you pick up the draft guide if you have not done that. And then I know that you know the Cheesehead TV guys will be doing a live watch party again. So you can come tune in and see all of our wild reactions when the Packers inevitably either trade out or select another quarterback. We are out of time. This has been the Packity Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, Maggie at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please, as I mentioned at the beginning, subscribe and rate the podcast. Um, if you get a chance, we would really, really appreciate it. You can catch Maggie, Kyle, and myself every Friday. We're going to be back next week with our last show before the draft, believe it or not. This is one of my favorite episodes, probably my favorite episode of the entire year. Number one, we're going to be talking about safeties, but the the really important part is we're going to simulate 15 minutes on the clock for the Packers. Um, so a lot of fun with that. So so make sure you tune in. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.